It's great to see you as we fill the empty space with worship and the Word of God, believing God is going to do something incredible. This is what I believe about you. I believe that you want to live a victorious, purposeful, powerful life. Is that true? Am I in the right place? All right, four of you. Is that, is that right? Okay. We don't want to be defeated again and again by the same old issues that have plagued us and haunted us. We don't want to be afraid of uncertainty or, or look to the future with fear, even though we live in a culture then in, that injects and infects fear into us at every single opportunity. We walk in it. It wants to destroy our walk with God, destroy our joy and victory. And what we want to see is a difference, not just in our lives, but in the lives of the people we come in contact with. Is that our heart, faith promise? See, that's the heart of promisers. So if you make it around here, and frankly, it can be a little difficult to make it at Faith Promise with all the campuses and all that's going on because we really do a, we really do push you to a higher and higher level of commitment of the Lordship of Jesus. It's not a problem. I pushed drugs for years. I'm going to push Jesus harder than I push drugs. And so it is, you know, Jesus said, come die with me. And so to challenge you to give and to serve and to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's just not a problem. Matter of fact, as your pastor, one of the things that I pray over you and for you every day is that you could walk under an open heaven, that you would be unchained and tethered from this culture, that you would walk in victory and freedom, understanding the full love of God, what is the height and depth and breadth and width of the love that God has for us. That's, that's the will of God. But, but the problem is that many of us who have really sort of begun a relationship with God, we find ourselves falling short every day. Is that true? Of really some of what God wants for us, understanding we still have weaknesses, that we still make mistakes. And some of us are even struggling with some of the same things that we struggle with even before we met God. And so people say, where's the joy and the freedom and the purpose? Where's the victory that we're promised? And so this is what believers do. They say, okay, that's really not for today. That's for heaven. And so they relegate themselves to a life substandard to the New Testament, just go ahead accepting status quo and par, not believing that God wants them to live in victory as an overcomer. Are you with me? They just believe the lies of this world and the enemy, and they just remain chained when there is freedom out there for us. Matter of fact, people look around and they say, you know, or just, I feel like there's an empty space between me and God, between what God called me to be. Y'all ever felt that way? And so that's what I want to talk about this weekend. By the way, welcome to all of our campuses. We're thrilled that you chose to join us. God behind bars, we love you men so much and believe God wants to do the same thing there as he wants to do at every one of all of our other campuses in this series called Empty Spaces, we're confronting how we have filled the empty spaces of our mind with fear and insecurity, and how do we remove that and replace that with security and boldness and purpose that God has called us to. Now, let me tell you, there's only one difference between a believer that's, over, that's overcoming and one that's not. There's only one difference between people that have great marriages and people that don't. There's only one difference between people that walk in freedom 
and the people that remain chained. It's not the color of your skin, how much money in your bank account, whether you're educated or uneducated. The only difference is how you think. Does that make sense? How you think. Overcomers think differently as people that don't overcome. It just simply boils down to how you think and your attitude. So our theme verse for this series is Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which is in the imperative mood. It is a command, just like going to the, all the nations and make disciples, just like that, we're commanded to not be what? Conformed, which literally means to be pressed into the mold, made into another image. Do not be pressed into the mold of this world, which is set up to distract and pull us away from God, right? To keep, matter of fact, so many of us join the rat race. And see, even if you win, you're still a rat. And we just get caught up in this world and we miss what God wants to do because we're simply just too busy. Don't be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your what? How you think. So for weeks, I've been praying that God would transform your thinking, and when your thinking is transformed, then you get to prove that which is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so I pray for you. If you missed last weekend, 2,200 of you were somewhere on Labor Day. I hope you had a great weekend. You just simply weren't here. That's okay. Maybe, you know, that's all right. But if you miss, go back and watch the message. It is critical for your not just survival, but for you to be able to thrive. And we laid the foundation of how we think. So now what we've been encouraging people all year is to get in and get on the new rivers and new roads that got every year we have a theme. That's our theme for this year. Get on the new rivers and new roads. We encourage you to get involved in the spiritual journey that God has called us to. Now, when people tell me they follow Jesus, but it's not exciting, my question is, are you following the same Jesus I'm following? Because, man, it's exciting to walk by faith. If it's not exciting, then you're not walking by faith. You're walking by sight. So let me tell you the easiest way to get connected to the vision and get in and get on the new rivers and new roads, and that is to experience our next steps experience that we've created for you. So let me, let me just help you. If you've been to the next steps, it is nothing like we've ever done before. Actually, it is like we did probably 15 years ago. We've, we've totally redone next steps. For the last several years, it's been the second weekend at every campus. Now, is it every weekend? It is not the same experience. There are four experiences. And so you can start at any time. If you start if you start next weekend, it'll be week three, then you do four, then you do one and two. You can do four, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, two, three, four, one. Doesn't matter where you start. Are you with me? Every weekend is different. It is taking all the five things we did next steps and spending a week on those instead of spending 10 minutes. So when you come to the weekend about serving, you're going to do a personality profile test. You're going to do a spiritual gifts test. You'll have two or three options on how to serve. Same way when we get to the personal growth weekend. So if you've not been in Excepts, I want to challenge you to go to Excepts. But I want us to go. This is, this is so significant, our strategy, to connect the next 10,000 promisers that I need everyone's help to do this. So I need you to learn something. Next Steps is your what? Let's say it together. Next Steps is your 
And I, why do you tell us that? Because when you show up next weekend and you sit by someone, and because we're the most welcoming, loving people on the planet, promisers, is that right? You look to the person next to you and you say, oh, are you new? And they say, yes. You'll say, we're so excited that you came to worship with us in faith promise. And then you're going to say, have you been the next steps? And they're going to say, I didn't know that there was a next step. And you're going to say, it is incredible. What is it? It's an experience our service create, our church created for you. It's four weekends. It happens at 1130 service at all of our campuses and Saturday night at the second service at 615. You just have to go. It's going to change your life. And so you're going to look at them and say, next steps is your we are, I'm going to say that until every single regular attender knows that. It's, our, it's the point of the spirit of our discipleship. It's how we're going to act people. It's going to be incredible. Can y'all help me with that? All right, 12 of you. Can the rest of you help me with that? All right. Now let's look at how are we going to live this life of victory and freedom and overcoming, experiencing, experiencing significance and purpose like God wants you. You say, well, honestly, pastor, that's real hard. I got that. I got that. But let me tell you what makes it even more difficult. Here's the deal. So many of us, we're not thinking about victory, our significance, our purpose. We're thinking, can I make it another week? My ex is killing me. My boss is killing me. I'm going to kill my children. My life is out of control. Right, come on, let's be real. Are we raw and real at Faith Promise? And so you're not thinking about, oh, wow, how can I be used by God? You're thinking about, can I just make it to bedtime? I, I'm not kidding. I really have been brought keenly aware in the last couple weeks, having just gotten thrown in a lot of circumstances that I typically wouldn't get thrown into at Faith Promise and just realizing how desperate some of us really are, and how difficult the situation. You never dreamed you'd be here. Matter of fact, many of you are thinking, man, if I can just make it, because let me tell you what we do. We end up thinking our circumstances are us. You're not your circumstance. You're not your past, nor are you your parents. If you're born again, you're a child of God, loved of God, favored of God. God wants to use you uniquely and bless you and absolutely transform you, but we've got to allow him. That's what God wants to do. But we've got to allow him. And again, let me tell you, it boils down to your thinking. Are you with me? I believe that I am the favorite son of God. And almost no one says, no, I think I am. They look at me and say, yeah, it's you, pastor, because you don't have any problems. Life's perfect for you. Are you like smoking crack <laughs> and not sharing? <laughs> Come walk with me for a few days. Come help me finish my house. No, you, there's only one person offered to do that right here on the second row. Beloved man of God, my friend, Daniel Newton, has said, hey, let me come help you. Everybody else, I call them, their number's blocked. Well, we all have issues, right? But it's how you, I really do believe that this is the greatest day, that, that this is the greatest church. I really believe that I'm God's favorite. I really believe that the future is going to be better than the past. Why? Because God is transforming my thinking. 
But for many of us, our old friends, those non-Christian guys, we still gals who still get around, they hammer us whenever we blow it, don't they? And we struggle with our past, and some of us, you know, struggle with shame and guilt. Come on, does anybody struggle with shame and guilt? Come on, be real. A low self-esteem, some of us still struggle with addictions or workaholism or greed. We got all this stuff. Not to mention we come to church and look at other people and say, well, they've got their lives together. That's only because they're better actors than you are. Come on, man. We all Listen, when you live in a world full of crap, you're going to get crap on you. Isn't that right? People are going to do stuff to you. You're going to do stuff. It's just the world that we live in. And then we sing and preach and pray about Jesus, the perfect one who never blew it. Well, he's perfect and I'm not. Some of us, that's not, a, that's not encouraging. It's actually really discouraging for us because I can't, I can't seem to make it. Come on. And so there's this big empty space between us and God. But hey, it's not a mistake. It's actually designed by God. The empty space between you and God is designed to remind you of your weaknesses and your desperate need for God. See, we do, that's not how we do it in America. We want to talk about our strengths and how we don't actually need God because we're super studs. But Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God speaking to Paul said, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in what? But we don't like weakness. We want to see the trophy case. We want to see the, we want to see the gold medals. We want, to see, we want to hear about how everybody's won. We don't want to hear about weaknesses. Actually, Paul goes on and said, most gladly, therefore, I will boast about my weaknesses. I'm going to brag about where I suck so that, in the Greek, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. We've got the flip side. We want to brag about our strength so that we miss the power of God instead of bragging about our weaknesses so that we may, we may be perfected in the strength of God. So here's the deal. Walking in your weaknesses will lead to walking in his strength. But that's not how we think. Does that make, that make sense? So we lead space this between us and God so that God can fill that space with his strength, not with our perceived strength. He said, I'm going to fill it with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and wait for it, self-control. And so people say, okay, when I get strong, after I get really ready, then God's going to fill me with that fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians chapter 5. But this is what I actually believe that God showed me. Fruit grows not because the branch is strong, but because the vine is. See, Jesus said in John 15 that he was the vine and we are the branches and his father is the gardener. And every branch that abides in Jesus will bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples and fruit that would remain. And guess what? We don't produce fruit because we're great. Fruit is produced through us because the vine is great. And so I, when I pray for you, I just pray that you'll be a branch connected to the vine, hanging over full of fruit. Why? Because you're perfect? No, because you've allowed the spirit of God to fill your weaknesses and God produces fruit. Then now we're walking in, walking in those empty spaces and God's fulfilling, filling it, not with our false strength or with our band-aids, because we all have deficiencies, don't we? 
And we're never going to be perfect on this side of heaven. So acknowledge your weaknesses. Just go and say, I'd rather brag about my weaknesses than Christ's power. They be perfected in me. I'm allowing the Spirit of God to fill the empty spaces. But if you don't, you just blow it time after time after time. It's taken me a long time to get this. When years ago, a lot, several years ago, me and a couple guys from Faith Promise were rebuilding this old 56 Corvette. You've heard me talk about it before. I like building old motorhead, old, you know, hot rods. And I sort of thought I was Mr. Goodwrench, God's gift to mechanicking. So we rebuild this engine, put it in this Corvette, and we're tuning it. We're setting the lifters when while we're tuning it, I blow the engine up. Look, blow it up. I don't mean exploding. It means the engine came apart from the inside. And so what do we do? We had to take it out, take it to a real mechanic <laughs> to rebuild the engine, put it in and tune it, and then it ran like a top. See, if I'd have filled the empty spaces with some help, I, I wouldn't have blown that engine up. We're in southwest Louisiana, pastoring that little church in Jennings, Louisiana, and, and we're, we've, we've moved out of one building into another building, filled that building. Now we're going to build a building, and we bought some acreage, and, and we're building this building because I'm Mr. Contractor. I'm Mr. Fix and Mr. Builder. I'm super pastor. I led the construction project because, man, I just knew it. We built that building. We built that building, oh, my mercy, almost 30 years ago. It leaked the day we put the roof on it. It still leaks. If we'd have been Methodists, we'd have baptized 10,000 people because we sprinkled everybody that came in that building. Why? Because I'm an idiot. Instead of saying, I'm weak, man, I need, I need God to come alongside me and other people to come alongside me. No, no, no. I walked in that. See, what we all need, all of us that are Christ followers, we need the Spirit of God to walk with us, to stop us, to restrain us, to fill us, to help us, to walk us through. Does that make sense? See, when we glory in our weaknesses, when we allow God to fill the empty spaces, then we'll walk in victory. So I want to I take three things out of Romans chapter 8. I love the book of Romans. Now, frankly, when I first got saved and started reading the Bible through, I did not like the book of Romans. I didn't like it because I didn't understand anything in it. It's the most theological book of the New Testament. I believe spiritual speculation because Paul was moving his base of operation from Jerusalem to Rome that was the center of the world so that he could win more people to Jesus. So he writes this theological treatise, the book of Romans, sends it to the Christians that are in Rome, why? To transform their thinking because they had been more, they had been more conformed to the culture than they had been transformed. And so Paul writes this book. And he writes this book to, to especially the second part of chapter eight, how to have your thinking transformed and fill the empty spaces. So in it, we find the word pneuma used 21 times, which is the Greek word, we get our word pneumatic, uh, air-powered tools. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not really a book, a, a chapter on the Holy Spirit, but more the forceful feeling that the Spirit has in filling the empty spaces of Christ followers. Does that make sense? So how do we fill those empty spaces? Now, remember a few minutes ago, we said many of us, hundreds of us, thousands of us across this weekend that we struggle with guilt and shame. 
you need to memorize Romans 8.1. I, I quote this verse almost every day. Therefore, there is now just a little condemnation. Did I get that wrong? Are y'all sure? That, do we believe this verse? Okay. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Anybody in Christ Jesus? Anybody in Christ Jesus? Okay. Now, help me understand how we struggle with guilt and shame, and the Bible said there's no condemnation to you. See, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It'll transform your thinking. See, a lot of us, though, we've, many of us have never been to a Catholic church. We are Catholic in nature. We think we got to do a little penance, even though Jesus paid for our sins. Does this make sense? Come on. Think about it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. So when the devil or people try to beat you up about the stupid things you've done or the sin in your past, you just tell them, hey, there's no condemnation. Those are in Christ Jesus. I'm fully and freely forgiven, adopted. I'm an overcomer. God has forgotten my sin. You need to forget it too. I'm a new person. It's not what I used to be. It's what I am today. And I'm walking in victory. Why? Because I've got transformed thinking. Why? Because God has transformed me by his absolute full and free forgiveness. So get off me. God got off me. You get off me. Are y'all with me? Come on. That's transformed thinking. That's how we do. And so, really, see, the deal is that God spills the empty spaces, not our performance. But we live in a performance-based culture. If we do good, people clap. If we played a good game, preached a good sermon, if we cleaned our room up, then people love us. And so we believe God is the same way. No, he doesn't, he fills the empty spaces, not our performance. Our assurance comes from Jesus, not how well we play the game. Does that make sense? Come on, we played an audience of one. It doesn't matter what people think. It matters what God's think. So quit filling the empty spaces with activities and belonging and people's applause. It will just bring about more pain and problem. If you seek the wrong source, you will get the wrong results. Does that make sense? See, the empty spaces, our weaknesses are filled by his strength. The key to victory in the Christian life is total, unconditional, and absolute daily surrender to the Holy Spirit. Him in control, us not. So even though we may feel like there's an empty space between us and our performance, God will fill it. Sometimes we feel like there's an empty space between us and our prayer life. You ever feel that way? I'm just not sure how to pray. I don't know what God wants me to pray. Well, God's going to fill that empty space, Romans chapter 8. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should, do we? There are times that I'm interceding for you. I don't know where you're at, what's your focus. I'm asking the Spirit to pray through me to actually intercede for you. It's, a, it's in somewhere in the middle of the morning, and I don't know where you're at or what you're doing, but I'm asking for the Spirit who is, who is helping me pray because I don't know how I should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words, for the for he who searches the hearts and knows what's in the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So you know what? If I let God fill the empty spaces, he'll help me in my prayers. Does that make sense? I mean, he will, he will help us. Does that mean my prayer time is a waste of time? No. It actually means your prayer time is more effective if you'll allow God to fill the empty spaces of your mind. Because you don't even have to have words. You don't have to preach. The, you don't have to pray thee and thou. 
God doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be King James. It doesn't even have to be words. Have you ever come to God in such agony that all you can do is groan? The Spirit of God will intercede for you. That is the coolest thing. If you'll allow the Spirit of God to fill the empty spaces, He celebrates with you in the good times and aches for you in the bad times. We can know the Holy Spirit is with us walking and will give us wisdom and power and make our prayer life far more effective. How about this? Do you find yourself confused and afraid and struggling? I just don't know the will of God. I don't know what calling or purpose. I'm just not sure what God's plan for my life is. See, we, even in between, the, between our performance, our prayer, or our plans, God fills the empty spaces. In verse 28, therefore, we know that God causes some things to work together for good. Come on. Come on. Do you mean you believe that God causes all things to work together for good? Does anybody believe that? If you believe that, why do you gripe and complain all the time? So you should have held that clap back. <laughs> Honestly, if we really believe Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for good, those that love God, anybody love God? So see, if we, if we love God, God can, listen, there's no reason to complain. Hallelujah, God's going to work that together for my good. That problem, that pain, that disease, being fired, going bankrupt, my spouse leaving me. You know what? At the end of the day, God's going to work all things together for good of those that love him and those that call according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he knew that you'd come to him. He also predestined, he predestined you to what? To be conformed, to be pressed into the mold of the image of his son, not this world, that your thinking would be transformed, that you think like Jesus thought. Are y'all with me? Being transformed, this world had no hold on Jesus. And so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those who he predestined also called, those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Man, listen, we struggle with our plans. God causes all things to work together for good. Are you with me? We're worried about elections. We're worried about President Obama or President Trump. We're worried about health care. We're worried about the economy. We're worried about the stock market. Hey, don't worry. <laughs> Be happy. Are you with me? Why? Because I'm walking under an open heaven with God. Too many believers just walk around worried. Or they think, okay, God's already made up his mind. Just it is what it is. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, that if you're a Christ follower, what God started, he'll finish. And everything happening to you and around you is a part of refining your faith and strengthening your hope and defining good in God's terms, not ours. So if you'll surrender the empty spaces and you'll let him, you'll say, what about the disappointment? What about the doubts? What about the scars? God wants to turn your scars into your stars and take and overcome even when you stepped in stupid. And we all, not, see, some of us don't just step, we swim in the stupid pool. Okay, that he will still take and you'll be an overcomer. And those scars, whether you did it to you or somebody else did it to you, whether the devil did it to you in the case of Job, it will be a testimony of God's 
unfailing grace. In verse 31, he says this. What shall we say about these things? Your purposes, your plans, your prayer life. Is God is for us? Who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all? God delivered him son of us over for who? Us. How will he not also be with us and freely give us all things? Who could bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one that justifies. It's not the people that are angry or people that used to be in your life or even the enemy. Who is the one that condemns? Jesus Christ is the one who died and rather was raised and is at the right hand of God ever interceding also for us. He's there interceding for us. See, God fills the empty spaces with Jesus. He goes on in verse 35. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Would tribulation or distress or persecutions or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? No, for I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any created thing, no problem, no pain, your past will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we fill the empty spaces with the love of God, his Holy Spirit, his strength. We walk in our weaknesses. We brag about where we suck, and we walk in his strength. We will not be denied. We will not be delayed. We will not be conformed to this world, but we are victorious in Jesus' name. My mercy. You say, but you just don't know what I'm going through. Listen, your circumstances are not you. You are greater than those circumstances. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, but God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of fear or powerless, but of love and discipline and a sound mind. God has filled us with what we need if we will allow him. Now, maybe you're here, you're a believer, and you're, you're now saying, hey, pastor, I, I want to get connected. I want to I be transformed in our thinking. Some of you are saying, hey, you know what? I'm ready to span the greatest chasm in the universe, and that is if you're not born again, between you and God. Isaiah said, behold, your iniquity have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you that he will not hear. And if you're ready to let, to, to let the blood of Jesus bridge the gap and you're ready to take a step of faith from where you are over your old life into your new life, then God's ready to receive you. For as many as call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you're ready for a brand new start, if you're ready to, to allow God to move in your life, then in all of our campuses with every head bowed and every eye closed, pray this simple prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know we're separated. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Transform my thinking. Make it like yours. Make me an overcomer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Come on, all God's people said, Woo! Isn't it good to be in the house of God? My mercy.